Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. How y'all doing? Good. Oh, man, I'm excited. Are you guys excited for the week? Ready to jump in? Okay. So Fresh mentioned something there. And I've definitely recognized a few people who were here in the past. So some of you know what Fresh was talking about when she said master the word wave. I'm not, I'm the replicator of the word wave, but here's, let me, let me explain something. Uh, there's a really awesome pastor out in San Diego. His name is Miles McPherson. He did this thing probably like, I want to say about 10 years ago that I was a part of. It was called the word wave. And I think it just kind of loosens you up. It wakes you up a little bit. Okay. Cause you guys are sitting under these like black lights. It's kind of dimly lit. You, you know, out in the sun all day, you might start to get a little tired. All right, so we got to loosen up a little bit, do something called the word wave. Anybody been a part of a, like, like the wave, you know what I'm talking about? Like, woo, like that thing, you know what I'm talking about? Like in a big baseball game, hockey game, football game, whatever, big stadium, basketball game, and like it goes all the way around. And I always want, like, who's the jerk that stops it? Like, you, like, what if you get like nine tenths of the way all the way around the stadium and it's like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And like, why you got to ruin the fun? So don't ruin the fun. Don't be that guy or that girl. All right, so here's what's going to happen. We're going to do the word wave, start you off nice and easy. We're going to go from one side of the room to the other, and you're going to do the wave. But it's called the word wave because we're about to get into the word, God's word. So the whole time you do the wave, you have to say the word, word, okay? You guys tracking with me so far? So this is horsemanship over here, right? Okay, ladies, I'm trusting y'all. And adventure. It's both? Girls adventure and horse. Okay, ladies, I'm trusting y'all to start, with, like, bring the hype, bring the energy, all right, and it's got to carry all the way across the room. All right, you ready? You, you, you can't do it seated. You got to stand up, too. Up, too. Okay, you ready? No, no, I mean, as you do it. Who, what, what are you doing? Come on now. All right, you ready? Okay, on the count of nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Go. Word. Okay, I wasn't, the wave part was good, but. Ladies, you gotta, I didn't explain that. That's my fault. You didn't hold the word. Some of you just went, word, and then you move, and you hold it the whole, the whole way. Okay, fellas, we got to kick it back. Okay, ready? On the count of two, go. One, two. Word. That was good. That was good. Give you guys a hand for that one. That was good. I, I mean, don't, like, put that on your resume or anything, but, like, that was, that was not bad. Like, that would be a weird, that, like, you, you know, you, you apply for a job at like Subway or something like word wave master. Like, what does that mean? Oh, let me show you word. Like you're alone in doing that. Wouldn't really work. All right. So guys, I want to tell you a little bit about myself as we get ready to dig in here. I have been so immensely blessed just in some insane ways because God is, is way too good to me and he's way too good to each and every one of us. Um, but I was born in Georgia, grew up in New Jersey, went to school in Virginia the last seven years I was pastoring at a church 30 minutes north of here in York, PA. Anybody near York? Yeah. Spring Grove? Yeah. No, not Spring Grove. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But York, York. All right. You know where it is. But I'm not even, I don't live there. I just know it's, it's there. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, and then the past nine months, I've been serving as the discipleship young adult pastor at Cornerstone Ministries right outside of Pittsburgh. Um, but along the way, the Lord has blessed me with my incredible wife. Uh, her name is Alexis. I couldn't decide if I wanted to go with Alexis or Lexi because I call her Lexi, but 
She hates it when people call her Lexi. She didn't tell me that till we were already married. And I was like, that's already ingrained into me. That's already ingrained into me. But she is insanely out of my league. I'm punching above my weight class. I know that. But uh, the Lord has blessed my wife and I with three incredible kids. And you might see them around. Hopefully Wednesday afternoon, they're going to come and, and hang out. But this is our oldest, our five-year-old, Elliot. Thank you. He's adorable, right? <laughs> He's so cute. Um, he is a wild child, but he is adventurous at heart, and, and I absolutely adore him. Um, and then our middle child, our three-year-old daughter, Addison, <sighs> she's cute. Come on. That, you know. Okay, I might have to turn my mic off because I'm preparing for our youngest, our one-year-old, Oliver. Come on. Like, I just don't want to you, you grab his cheeks. He's so chunky. I love it. Um, but I love... I am absolutely obsessed with my wife and, and, and kids. And uh, like I said, I will be here with you guys all week and they might come and visit with us for a little while, but they're visiting some friends of ours in the York area. But guys, I want you to know a little bit about me because here's the thing, as we're digging into the word, I want us to be able to uh, be able to understand one another because here's the deal. Whenever I'm opening up the word, I'm not preaching to you or at you, I'm kind of preaching at myself and I'm letting you guys kind of tune into the conversation because we are all walking this, this journey together. And as we're trying to unpack this theme of, of freedom bound, we have a few things that we need to discuss, but here's, here's where I want us to start. And I want us to start with the fact that there's a huge difference. There's a life altering dif difference between the concept of knowledge and belief. So the defini definition of knowledge is facts information and skills acquired by a person through experience or education, the theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. So how many of you guys have ever played the game Two Truths and a Lie? Okay, most of you, if you haven't played it, you can play it later. It's a good like icebreaker game where you get a partner and you tell them two truths about yourself and one lie. But here's the thing. You have no facts, you have no information, you have no skills in assessing that person. So you have to go with your gut. You have to go with what you believe. An acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists. Trust, faith, or confidence in someone or something. Now here's the deal. You do not have to have knowledge in order to believe. So for example, probably like the coolest trick I know how to do is I'm able to do a standing backflip. You guys want to see it? Okay. You guys got to you guys got to count me down from 3, okay? Do like a 3 2. Do like a 3 2 1, okay? So ready? Go. Where did y'all learn how to count? I heard like a 4 7. Okay. When I say go, then you guys say 3 2. Okay, ready? Go. Wait, I had I didn't have my chacos tightened down. These are going to slip right off. Okay. Okay, ready? Go. Three, two, one. No, I can't do a backflip. Are you kidding me? Guys, here's, here's the deal. Okay. I, I would land on my face. I might do it for 100 bucks. But here's the difference. Here's the difference between knowledge and belief. You had no way of knowing if I could do a backflip or not. You're simply deciding whether or not you're gonna believe me at my word. So there's a subtle difference 
between knowledge and belief. But when we start to look at what we know versus what we believe and how it's gonna challenge us, we need to understand something. That knowledge may alter how we see the world, but belief is the only thing that changes how we respond to the world, how we live. And as we're discovering and walking through this concept of freedom bound, not only do we need to kind of challenge what we know about God and what he says about who we are in our relationship to him, but we have to make a decision on whether or not we're actually going to believe it. Because through various sources, some of them are atheists or people who do not believe in God. They do not ascribe to a God. Some of them are Jewish. Some of them are Christian. But various types of historians have come to the same conclusion that Jesus Christ was a human being who existed on the earth. That is no longer a fact that is debated among historians, including historians who do not believe God is real. So the only question we're technically left with is who do you believe Jesus was and is and will always be? And the reason this is so important, the reason that this is so crucial is because what comes to, into our minds when we think about God, is the most important thing about us. It shapes us. It changes how we think, how we see the world, how we speak, how we act in certain situations. And A.W. Tozer was a pastor, author, incredible man of God. But if you're coming into this week with a certain set of beliefs, so for example, you're coming into this week, and I firmly believe this, but I don't know if you do. And I can't answer this question for you. But I personally believe, I can't know, but I believe it, that God has you here for some reason. I don't know what it is. That truth, that fact, that information has not been given to me. I don't know why you're here, but I believe God has you here for something. But if you're sitting here in this moment and you cannot open yourself up to that idea that maybe God has something for me, then this is going to be a fun week. You might be able to do some cool activities, meet some awesome people. Some of you probably already have, but that's all it'll be. And this will just be one of those things that you say, hey, I went to this camp once and it was a lot of fun but I want to challenge what you know and what you don't know. And I am praying and hoping that you open yourself up to this idea that maybe just maybe God has something for me. He wants to show me something. He wants to teach me something. He wants to reveal something about himself to me. That's going to alter how I view him. And I want to challenge you to pay attention in these little nuanced moments, these little moments from each day of the week. It could be a prayer during mealtime. It could be one of the worship songs. It could be one of the skits. It could be one of the messages. It could be one of the activities you do. It could be a small group that you have. But there's going to be a moment. If you open yourself up to this idea, the belief that God has you here for something, even though none of us know what it is yet. If you open yourself up to that belief, that idea that God has you here for something, I promise you this, it is going to alter the course of your life. 
The reason this concept, who do you say God is, is so crucial is because even within scripture, there was this conflicting idea of who Jesus was. And throughout the Old Testament, I don't know if you guys know this, but this incredible book, the Bible, is the word of God, breathed out by God. And all of it points to Jesus. Every single piece of it points to Jesus. And in the book of Daniel, Daniel goes into some of these prophecies over who the Messiah, who the Savior was going to be. This promised king that was going to come and save the world. And from the book of Daniel, we get this idea that the Savior is supposed to be this conquering king. In Daniel chapter 7, starting in verses 13 and 14, guys, as we go through this week, if you have a Bible with you, please bring it during the services. There's something about having the word of God in your hands, opening it together is a beautiful thing that we get to do together as we worship the Lord through the reading of the word. If you do not own a Bible, talk to me, talk to one of your program directors. We'll get that figured out for you. Daniel chapter seven, starting at verse 13. It says, I saw in the night visions. This is Daniel having these incredible experiences. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days. That was a name given for God and was present before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting one. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So Daniel starts to talk about this king who's going to come and establish a kingdom that will never be undone, that can never be messed with, it can never be destroyed. And then a few verses later in Daniel 7, verse 27, it says, in the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall, shall serve and obey him. So in the book of Daniel, you have this idea that Jesus was the Messiah is going to be this conquering king. And in multiple books in the Old Testament, they're called the minor prophets. And they weren't called minor prophets because they weren't important. They were called minor prophets just because the lengths of their books in the Bible were just shorter. They did some major things, but they just had shorter books. And through the minor prophets, it keeps talking about this idea of a coming king and a new kingdom. So back then, Jewish people were waiting for this savior who was supposed to come and overthrow Rome. That was the nation that was persecuting them. But then Jesus shows up on the scene and he's born of a virgin from a town with a terrible reputation. 
and he's born in a very low social status and he serves. And you think, what? Wait a second. This is not the guy that Daniel was talking about. This is not the guy that Amos and Micah and these other minor prophets were talking about. This is not the conquering king we were promised. This is not the guy we we were told we were going to get. And then in Mark chapter eight, and actually a couple different passages, it talks about this, but Jesus challenged his disciples. He kind of asked him this question. And he had just healed, a, Jesus had just healed a blind man. This is Mark 8, starting in verse 27. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? What do you know about me? What do you believe about me? Who do you say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. Nope. And others say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? I understand what the people are saying. I understand they say, hey, Elijah, one of the prophets, like you're a good dude, that's great. But forget about what they say. If we're going to challenge this idea, what, God, do you potentially have something for me? Then here's what I need you to do. I need you to take every possible ounce of effort you have to tell your brain to shut up. To block out the, well, I don't care. Guys, hear me. You are called to honor your mother and father, but I, in this moment, I don't care what they think about God. I don't care what your neighbor thinks about God. I don't care what the guys on your football team think about God. Jesus is asking this question to his disciples. Hey, what are they saying? But then he digs in, but what are you saying? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ, which was a title associated with the concept of Savior. And, he, and Jesus strictly charged them to tell no one about it, to tell no one who he actually was, not yet. It wasn't time yet. But guys, the reason this is so crucial is because if God is going to do something with us, you have to start to ask these questions. God, why am I here in this place this week? Do I have some ideas about who you are, who I am? What's my relationship to you? Because if we're going to start to try and process this concept of freedom and the freedom God has for us that he wants to give to us, Well, it doesn't matter what God says about freedom if we don't believe it. It doesn't matter what Jesus and what the Bible has to say about freedom if we just think it's worthless. John 8, verse 31 and 32 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus has a thing or two to say about being free and finding freedom. So let me throw some knowledge at you. And then as we move on in the week, we're going to challenge what is it that I actually believe. 
The definition of being free is not under the control or in the power of another, able to act or be done as one wishes. So you have come this week with this idea of what you think freedom is. And maybe the idea of freedom for you is the day you get your license. Maybe the idea of freedom for you is not having a parent tell you what to do. Maybe the idea of freedom for you is never having homework assignments given to you. I'm getting some a preach, pastor. Come on. <laughs> I don't know what your definition of freedom is that you're walking around with. What is it you believe about freedom? I want to hit one other definition at you. That freedom is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. And here's what's going to happen through the rest, of the, the rest of the week. In the rest of our time together, we're going to be going through the word and we're going to be unpacking this masterful, beautiful story. And understanding how God has created the universe and he brought us into this world with a particular idea of what freedom should be. And then along the way, we jack it up. We lose sight of it. We start to believe in other concepts and other things. We start to question what we know to be true. And then we're going to bring that biblical definition of freedom, God's design for freedom, we're going to bring it back into the picture. Refocus it and reframe it so we can let it start to work into who we are and change how we live. But guys, I need you to hear me. We are not going to be able to accomplish a single thing if you cannot start to process and think through God. Do you have me here for a reason? I don't know why you're here, but I promise you this. It is not a mistake that you are. It is not a mistake that you are here this week. And I hope and pray that God speaks through me, that we're able to hear his voice and see his truth through the Bible as we unpack this concept. But as we dig in, you're going to be challenged in what you know about God, and what you know about the world. And I hope and pray that who you believe God to be, who you believe he says you are, starts to change and starts to be shaped. So that through the teaching of the word, it changes how we live. So guys, let's pray together and we're going to go on with our night. Father, I praise you. I thank you so much for your word. It says in the Psalms, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were formed and by his breath, all their starry hosts. And in Paul's letter to Timothy, that all scripture is God-breathed. The power of God 
that breathes out galaxies is at our disposal, at our fingertips, through the scriptures, through the Bible. God, as we read it, as we study it this week, would you open our minds that you would force us to question what we know? Force us to really analyze what is it I actually believe? Because maybe I know God is real, but I don't believe it. I've heard stories about Jesus but I'm not doing anything with it. God, would you use this week to change us? To make us more like you. And that's going to be a long process. It's going to be a painful one. Because you're reshaping and reformating our hearts. And a heart transplant is a grueling and difficult process. So, Father, as you're working on us this week, give us patience. I was to wait and just, it's going to be so, so incredible, so amazing what it is you're going to do. So excited to see what happens, Lord. I thank you for these students. I thank you that we're able to be in this place and worship you. You're worthy of all honor and glory. We praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brandon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.